Greetings, everyone. This is Brian Reisman, host of Side Jams, a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Please subscribe and follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And also know that it is now available as a video podcast on YouTube. Starting with episode 56, it's video onward, but you can also listen to the audio portion right here. I hope you enjoy this latest episode. Greetings, everyone. This is Brian Reisman, host of Side Jams, welcoming you to episode 59, featuring Ben Bruce, guitarist and co-founder of Asking Alexandria. They have a hard-rocking and introspective new release out called See What's on the Inside. You should check it out. Now, when Ben is not shaking stages with his band, he has a newfound love for cooking, which actually came about at the start of the pandemic. And over the last two years, he and his wife have welcomed two new children into the world. So they now have four kids who keep them very busy and very happy. I conducted this interview with Ben prior to the war in Ukraine, so when the topic of them touring Ukraine and Russia comes up, sadly, they're not going to be able to play for their fans there for a while due to the ongoing humanitarian crisis. So our two hot topics for this episode, cooking, fatherhood, let's go. It was great to chat with you again. You too, mate. How have you been? I've been good. It's been, you know, it's it's weird. Like, you're talking about time flying by, and I guess, you know, you guys were making music. I mean, you put out two albums during the pandemic, and then... You know, I'm writing at home, and for a lot of my other friends, it's been family has been harder. I'm used to burrowing, and so are you. But so the time di- actually didn't really drag for me the way it did for other people, but it felt weird. Yeah, yeah, it, it is weird, and I think for me, time is almost sped up because my previous life uh, uh, as a musician, when people used to tour, um, the days would sort of blend into each other because. You know, you'd be on a schedule every day and you'd wake up at the same time, you'd sound check at the same time, you'd play a set at the same time, you'd do a meet greet. So it was very regimented and it was like, this is what it is. And since having this time off and being home and just hanging out with my kids, there's no structure. They're insane. And it's just, time just <laughs> flies by. It's it's absolutely mental. And I've just realized how much time I've actually missed by being away uh, touring for so long. So it's it's definitely been, it's been odd. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, I know, I know, for, I know for side jams, we're actually going to talk about, you know, you're being a, a dad and cooking. It's funny, I just had Midjour from Ultravox are putting that episode together. He's a big fan of cooking. So it's, it's well, interesting. You know, yeah, Orianthi's is big on that, too, actually. It's good. I was, I was rubbish, too, until this pandemic. I, I didn't know how to cook. Um, you were forced to, basically, to survive. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I had nothing to do. You know, I was like, I'm one of those people that, music was just my hobby and it became my career and I think that happens to a lot of people they're like well now what's my hobby and I didn't and it took me forever to find one and I don't I don't don't know what happened I think I cooked one thing one day and I did a good job and I was like oh maybe I could do this and so yeah I I really really do enjoy cooking a lot now but it's well so what, what do you remember what the first thing you cooked successfully was the first thing I cooked successfully was a was a steak, and I think basically I love I, I like going out for like a nice meal. I like to go out um, on a date night with my wife. We try and do a date night at least once a week, which mm. is so important with with kids and stuff. I think, and then the pandemic hit, and we weren't allowed to do it anymore. Um, so I was like, wow, you know, and it, a couple months in of not going out on date nights and stuff, I was like, this is insane. I need to try and recreate some sort of date night here and so i i, I cooked a steak um and uh <clears throat> it went pretty well and i was like wow that was actually not only was it you know cheaper than going out and, and paying for a steak in a restaurant but i felt 
sort of good about doing something myself. Uh, and I enjoyed it. And so I was like, well, let me try and cook lamb. And I made like lamb shank and uh, then went to pork. And I was like, oh, and I've, I've figured out very quickly, like uh, Americans love grilling. Like they love grilling. So I was yeah. like, I'm going to get an outdoor kitchen and a grill and all this stuff. I don't love grilling. I discovered that after spending far too much money getting grill stuff going on. I, I'm no. not a fan of grilling. I like to, to be in the kitchen and cook. But um, yeah, it's fun. It's almost therapeutic for me. And I take my time with it too. I'm so, my wife sometimes gets annoyed because I'm like, oh, what do you want for dinner? And she was like, it's already five o'clock. You can't make dinner. I'm like, well, why not? It's only five. She's like, yeah, by the time you're finished, it'll be nine. Cause I'm so anal about the whole thing still because I've not been doing it all <laughs> yeah. that long. So I get everything ready. I make sure everything's set up and make sure my stations are all done. Um, and so it still takes me quite a long time. Um, but with grilling, it's kind of just like a throw and go. Um, and I'm just, I'm just not that I'm not that good at that. <laughs> so now that you started cooking, what are the things you like to cook and that you're good at? I love cooking meats. I really do. Like side dishes are fine. Um, it's like a necessary thing, but I love cooking a meat and I love cooking it well because meats are cooked, different types of meat and different cuts of meat are cooked to different temperatures and, and serve themselves better with, with, uh, uh, served at different temperatures and with different sort of sauces or what have you. And there's so many different techniques, uh, when it comes to cooking meats too. And so I, I love, love, love cooking meat more so than, um, vegetables and stuff like that but just i just because i think vegetables kind of do their own thing obviously you can prepare those in a bunch of different ways too but it's a vegetable there's nothing more fulfilling than cooking a, a perfect sort of medium rare filet mignon steak and be like ah and you've got the sear on the outside and i'm like i feel accomplished i feel good um so right now yeah it's, i'm really enjoying cooking cooking meats and, and no but no no plans to open up a restaurant yet no plans to open I, it's funny because I've always wanted to open, I want like a food truck and I've, I feel like um, I've, I've just had this idea in my head forever, which once I tell you the name of it, you'll realize very quickly why it can't happen because I'll be getting all kinds of the wrong people queuing up for it. Uh -oh. But I would love to have a food truck just with a British flag painted on the side and something in England, like a, like a kind of like a fast food, quick, quick snack that we eat a lot. Yeah. I don't know if you're familiar. It's called a sausage roll. Um, and basically, it's just a puff pastry wrapped around s sausage meat, essentially. And it's, it's, it's just a good, quick hand snack. Um, and so me having the background I have in music, I would love to have a food truck with the British flag paint on the side. And I want it to be called Sex, Drugs, and Sausage Rolls. Um, and we'll sell all <laughs> kinds of like pastry snacks and stuff that I think good. But I just shit, my wife was just like, yeah, you know who's going to be queuing up outside your food truck at two o'clock in the morning when they're drunk coming from the pub and I won't have sex or drugs. I'll just have the sausage rolls. And I don't think it will be as quite as successful as I had made out in my head. <laughs> well, I mean, there's like there's been like heavy metal food trucks, you know, going around the country. I think there's one called Grill 'em All. I mean, there's certain different ones that have been. That's cool. Grill 'em All. I think, all. I, I, think I, I, I've done some writing about food business. It's It's not as easy as people think. No, no, absolutely. Um, one of the big things is it's it's you know location, location, location is a big part of it. And yeah. I've also realized a lot of people who start up small businesses like that, it's you can be a dream to like say I'm sp save up all this money, I'm quitting my job, and I'm opening up a restaurant. But if you don't know how to 
run a restaurant. That run can be a tricky. restaurant. It's like it's like any business. You could open up yep. a store, but not understand how to market things. And of course, so it's it's a little trickier. I I, I think I told this to Midger that it was I worked with a guy who was a head waiter at this hotel. I was a busboy at one summer, and he had been working there for years, and so he was learning everything about the kitchen before. Yeah. He started his own place. So then he did start his own restaurant. I guess it lasted for a few years. Because um, it's amazing you find a good place and it disappears because they, they just didn't know. They don't know how what to run. Do. And you do, that's a thing, too, because, I mean, you want to open a restaurant, but like you say, if you've had no experience there, if you've never been a busboy, you've never been a waiter, you've never been a line cook, you've never been a chef, you've never been any part of it, but you want to open an Italian restaurant because you like Italian food and yeah. somewhere down the line, you had a great grandma that was Italian and you have the meatball recipe that everyone that's tried it loves it. It's not the same, you know, you don't have the expertise. Um, and it's the same can be said about any profession really. I mean, for me, it's, it's, I, I write music. That's what I do. That's what I know. It's what I've practiced since I was three years old is music, 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 music. Yeah. And then, you know, some people will be like, well, why don't you just do this? And I'm like, you have no knowledge of music. <laughs> you like music, <laughs> which is great, but you have no knowledge. And it's the same thing. If I were to open a restaurant, I'd fail miserably. I have no knowledge of what it takes to run a restaurant. I like cooking. That's about it. You know what I mean? And it's just, there's so much more to it than that. So uh, as it stands, no, no plans to open a restaurant. It's also the trap of the, the celebrity, you know, like the person who's well known for something else coming in. I think when I was about 30 years ago when I was living in L.A., we went to Clint Eastwood's restaurant up in Carmel. And it wasn't bad. It had kind of a cool outdoor vibe. And I remember there was – it kind of integrated like there was a lot of nearby trees. And I almost felt like maybe some of the – I don't remember if I'm writing this correctly. Like some of the tables sort of had that kind of uh, oak feel. To, I don't know. It was it was interesting. It wasn't like amazing. I remember going yeah. there. <laughs> and there's some people that do well with restaurants. I mean, that is their passion. That's an outside passion they have. I mean, the reason I started this podcast is because I'll interview a lot of you guys and then we'll go off on a tangent for 30 minutes sometimes or even 10 minutes where you talk about something cool like, oh, I've started a toy company or whatever. And then it doesn't make it into the story for more than a sentence because there's just word counts. Because it's, yeah. It, you know, and that's the tricky part. And I find that you learn more about people uh, through other things as well, conversation and, yeah. you know, I mean, you, obviously you guys have toured the world and you've probably had some not great food. I'm sure you've had some amazing cuisine as well. I've had um, lots of not great food. Do you, do you, te do you tend to eat out more or do you deal with a lot of the catering when you're backstage at a lot of these shows? Now <clears throat> we eat out a lot more than we ever used to. We couldn't afford to before. Um, and it's not like we're loaded now. We are still musicians. I think yeah. there's a, a common misconception that once you're a successful musician, you're a multimillionaire, which I'm sure that's the case for some. And that's wonderful. It's not the case for most of us. Yeah. Um, but as we've gotten older, just creature comforts, like a good meal and a good place to sleep have become almost necessary. You know, we spent years just living off of McDonald's and ramen noodles and stuff. And it gets to the point we got bigger and then we started getting catering at, at shows. And it was like, okay, this is a step in the right direction. But then you start to realize too, after years of getting catering, not that you're ungrateful, but it's just, it's, it's not, sometimes you get a catering company that are fantastic and the meals are great. And sometimes you get a catering company that clearly it's just a job for them and they don't really care all that much and the food's not healthy. And by the time you've come off stage, the food, what's left of the food is scraps and it's cold. 
Um, so yeah. it got to the point where it was like, if we're going to go out on tour and be away from our, our family and, you know, do do this, we want to be more comfortable. So we do eat out a lot more now. And it's funny because I hate pulling any kind of like unfamous cart. I hate it. I won't do it. I don't do it. Um, but on tour, it's almost necessary. We have to have our tour manager call a restaurant in advance because by the time we come off stage and we're finished and we're showered and the show's done, it can be 1130 at night and restaurants are all closing. And then, like I said, catering's over and you're yeah. left ordering shitty pizza and living off of that. So we have to have our tour manager call and say, hey, um, I've got a band over. We've just played such and such a venue. They they would love to come to your restaurant. And nine times out of ten, um, the the chef and the owner will be super excited by that. And uh, we get to go and have all these great experiences in these wonderful – we try and find, like, a local restaurant in each place we go to rather than a chain or anything like that. We try and find somewhere that's just, you know, locally owned, locally sourced. And we've 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 ended up coming across some just incredible restaurants um, over over the last few few years. Well, not with COVID, but yeah. you know, oh, while, yeah. while we have been touring, and it's 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 actually quite a nice way of doing it because you end up getting to meet the chef, and they sit down with you, and you meet the owner and the the waiter or waitress that stayed behind to to help you. Uh, you end up having like a nice experience uh, after the restaurant sort of closed. So that's something that's been really enjoyable for us over the last few years and you, and now you're and now you're better behaved too so that works out even better <laughs> yeah we don't ruin we don't ruin anything we don't drink it's like hey would you like we'll order a glass of wine for the table and we'll all sip on some chateau neuf de pap and go to bed <laughs> <laughs> and yet 20 year old ben would have been like what yeah what, what do you do ben would have just been eating mcdonald's and drinking jack daniels with mountain dew and or something horrible I remember the. I think the first time I interviewed you and Danny, it was it was it was midnight on the East Coast at least. <laughs> yeah, and you were you were in an interesting mood. It was funny. I was like, "Yep, these guys are these guys are young." These you know? guys are stupid. That's a classic. That's a classic archived interview. I can pull it out years later. Look, look at how they've grown. How they've all grown up. Well, you know, but, you, but you, I'm sure you had fun at times too. I'm sure you don't regret everything. I'm sure you had fun at certain points. Yeah, and I mean, everyone's young at some point. Um, and everyone has to, everyone has to be young and dumb or you don't learn, you don't grow. You don't, if you're not making mistakes and being stupid, how do you learn how to become smart and grow as a human being? So, you know, yeah. it definitely was, it, there were fun times and there was a lot of fun times. The only thing I, I definitely do regret is just getting so sucked into, or not even getting sucked in, allowing myself to be pushed into and, Get, therefore getting sucked into the rock and roll lifestyle you know and i think yeah um people um used to write tabloids and and they gave they named us like asking Alexandria, the heroes of rock and roll and they're you know just like motley crew and blah, blah, blah. and when you're young that's such a it felt like an honor and so it was encouraged and it was pushed and it was like people were like well if you if you don't behave this way you're not rock and roll and you'll be forgotten and you won't be successful and uh, that's the one thing I, I truly regret is allowing myself to to be put in that place because it led to it led to very real sort of drug addictions and alcohol addictions and it, yeah. it, it it led to a very dark time in my life and the guys' lives and you know that's not fun and I, if I could have avoided that um, with hindsight obviously I'd talk to myself and be like it's not worth it like 
don't ever take that first line of blow. It's not worth it. This is where it leads. And I would have stopped drinking liquor years before. I probably, in fact, I probably never would have touched the stuff to begin with. Um, but, you know, like I said, everyone's young and you do live and you do learn. And it's not like it's unique to um, to people in the music industry or anything like that. You know, there's people people discover that stuff in, in high school and, oh, and, sure. and going into new jobs and stuff. College. So it's just part of <laughs> life. Yeah, college, exactly. You know what I mean? And I always feel it's necessary to learn from that. And unfortunately, some people don't learn and they they continue down that path until, until their lives are gone and ended, you know, and they've spent their whole lives uh, controlled by substances and stuff like that. But um, fortunately for me, I, I was able to learn and, and move on from it. I, a lot of that, I think, is down to my, my wife and my kids sort of opening my eyes to what's really important in life, you know? Yeah, it's another thing we're actually going to talk about. Well, it was good to mention you talking about the parting. It's just that, you know, a band like Motley Crue, part of their resurgence wasn't just the music, I feel. It was the legend of their parting in there. And out of all of those bands, that equals the music, if not more in certain ways. It was, it was yeah. the crazy things they did. But you actually can't – you read the dirt and you don't really want to have been that guy. Yeah, uh, you don't yeah. want to be the guy that's done that. Um, and it works for a few people. I almost feel like now, I was saying this to Billy Idol a few months ago, it feels like almost some of the rock fans are crazier than the bands. It's actually the fans yeah. in the audience that are doing crazier things than the bands on stage. Well, because I think I think it's it's people want to live vicariously through these crazy rock and roll stories, you know. And I, I actually remember reading The Dirt when I was young and thinking, oh, so this is what, it is to be rock and roll. And that's kind of what you're force fed and you're made to believe that that is how you behave. If you're, if you are rock and roll or if you are punk rock and you know, it just takes time and years to realize that's not what's rock and roll at all. You know, that's what's commonly known as stupidity, but you know, (laughs) at the time you just, you just don't realize. Well, we were talking, you were talking about parenthood. I mean, you're, how old are your kids now? You've got two kids. I've got four. You're four. Four Yeah, yeah. I've uh, my oldest is five. My second oldest is four. Then I have a twenty-month-old and a four-month-old. Oh, you've had a lot going on in the pandemic. Yes. Uh, we didn't get a chance to talk about that last time. <laughs> no, no. Very busy house. Very loud household. What's the boy-girl ratio? Two boys, two girls. So it's even. Girl, boy, boy, girl. Perfect. Excellent. Yeah. So how do, I mean, all right, so now you're, you're juggling a band, you've had to work on a couple records, and you've got four kids. Did you sleep at yeah. all? No. It's funny you say that, because I, um, I've been up my, uh, we take my daughter to school and my, my son's school, I have to wake up every day at 6.30, but sure, the winter sucks, because the sun's not up, and it's just like, ugh. But I actually missed it this morning. My wife took uh, the kids to school, because I just couldn't wake up. My um, right. my second youngest, my, my son, um he just, he woke up at 2.30 screaming, just screaming. I think he might have an ear infection or something. Oh, wow. And he just, I was up with him until about five. And I was just like, whoa, this is exhausting. Um, and it's Friday night. And I was hoping to take my wife out for a meal, but I feel like I'm probably going to be, uh, it's going to be one of those nights where we eat junk food and are in bed by seven watching oh, something on Netflix and falling asleep by eight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, I'm a vampire man. I, I do the. I went to bed at like uh, well, I went to bed at three last night. I think. Oh Jesus! I yeah. can't remember the last time. See, actually, we're up at the same time, but for very different reasons. <laughs> yes. 
But I've always, I've always admired the fact when people try to juggle all of these things. I mean, how do you stay sane through all of this? As all those years of touring and running around and dealing with constantly shifting locations and priorities, has that actually made it easier for you to juggle fatherhood? I think so, because I'm kind of used to just chaos. Um, but for me, it's 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 I I just genuinely love it. So to me, it's always everyone's always like, "Man, you've got four kids. That must be such hard work." And um, I know it, this pisses a lot of parents off when I say it because obviously it is hard work. But my answer is always, "It's not hard work for me." Um, and it's not that it's not difficult. It's just not hard work because I, I just genuinely enjoy it so much. I get so much joy out of spending time with my kids and watching them grow and having fun with them. It's actually made me question, like, how do I even go back to doing music when the world opens up again properly? Like, how, how am I even going to bring myself to leave and go on tour? Um, so that's going to be the mm. big change. The big struggle for me is is leaving again. Well, that's, yeah, that's, I think that's always the hard part. It's a, uh... It's sort of sort of the opposite of the kids going off to college or even summer camp. It's like yeah, you're yeah, leaving. Yeah. I'm leaving, <laughs> and then and then I know that that's what's going to suck one day too. Is right now they're watching me pack my bags, and they're like climbing on my shoulders, asking me not to leave, and I'm going to be doing that all the way up to the point where I'm home finally, and maybe I'm old enough to have stopped doing it as much, and they'll be packing their fucking bags and leaving, and I'll be like, whoa, whoa, no, where are you going? You know, so. It's a it's a, it's a strange thing, it's, and it goes back to what we were saying earlier. For me, time's just flying by. Like, I can't believe my daughter is five. She's turning six this year, and I'm like, why weren't you just born yesterday? And it it sounds like such a cliche, especially I'm sure to people that don't have children. But it genuinely feels that way. It feels like the last six years have just gone pop, and I'm like, uh oh. When that happens again, she'll be turning and she'll be turning into a teenager. I mean, how has it been? You have you have young kids. So how have they? I mean, a couple of them are really young, so they're not going to remember any of this. <laughs> yeah. But for the older two, I mean, how has it been for them dealing with this alternate reality that we've been living in for the past two years? Well, I've kind of turned it into almost like a game with them um, for them to, because obviously trying to get. And I think I've done a, a we've done the right thing here because all, all my friends and other kids my age are like, how do you get your kids to keep their masks on? My kids won't put a mask on, bing, it's off in two seconds. My kids keep their masks on yeah, um, and they've been great. But basically when it happened, I didn't know how to explain to them that we weren't, be, we weren't able to fly back to England and see grandma and granddad. I didn't know how to explain to them that they weren't going to school anymore or that they couldn't come to the supermarket with me. And then, I, so I decided to tell mm. them that there were zombies. And they went, there are zombies? And I said, yeah, but they're not really the same as the way movies have depicted zombies. They're like invisible zombies. Um, and they can make you really sick, just like a zombie bite would. So now they think there's like a zombie thing going on. So they wear their masks. And when, when we do go out, they're cautious. And they, they kind of find it exciting. They're like, oh, I can't touch this because there's zombies and stuff. And I need to, you know, when I'm huh. when I'm coughing, I need to cough into my arm. So I don't, you know what I mean? So um and now, and now that they still talk to it about, they have more understanding now because it's gone on for so long. Yeah. But they'll still refer to it as zombies. So, like, um, my my daughter came back from school the other day, and there was, I think, three kids in her class, and that was it. And I was like, "Oh, where's all your friends?" And she went, "The zombies got them." But don't worry, they'll be back next week. Um, so, yeah. It's, yeah, it's been it's been odd. It's been odd. So now, what do you, what do you? So now, you guys are actually going to be touring. I guess starting what you have a Ukraine date coming up in March. I'm curious how that's going to go. I'm very curious to see how that goes because um, things are looking a bit 
scary with Ukraine and Russia right now. We're supposed to be going to both. Uh, my tour manager called me the other day. He's like, I don't even think we can get flights from Russia to Ukraine and vice versa at the moment. So um, there's no other way to fly. What... You can only fly in from Russia to Ukraine. Is that how it works? I think you have to go somewhere else and then fly in. Like, okay. I don't think their borders are open to each other right now, from what my tour manager was saying to me. Oh, that's um, right, because you have the Russian date one or two days after that, the first Russian date. Yeah, so I'm interested to see what happens. I'm hoping it doesn't get postponed again, because I actually, I really enjoy going across to um, to Russia and Ukraine. And all the political stuff aside, that has nothing to do with, with us. We just go there and we enjoy the fans and we enjoy, you know, the, the food and, and the show um, and traveling. So... I really do enjoy going over there and all the, all the political stuff that's going on obviously is, is unfortunate, but there's nothing we can do about that. But I'm really hopeful that this doesn't get in the way of us going back over there. Cause obviously because of COVID it's been pushed a couple times now. Yeah. Um, so I'm just hoping we still get to go now, but I just don't know. Everything's so up in the air now with COVID and now with the political unrest that there is over there. It's a crazy world. It's kind of a, a good time actually for rock and roll to come back because I feel like rock and roll has been pushed down in the mainstream. It's all pop and, you know, yeah. hip hop. But even even a lot of the edgier rap music that was there in the 90s, you know, it's different now. Everything's very mainstream. Yeah. Even a lot of the, the rock bands, some of their newer rock bands, like some of the, there's, yeah, there's got to be something coming along. I feel like I feel like actually even in Eastern Europe or even the same communist countries that rock and roll is actually still dangerous. You know, yeah, there's still yeah. that edge or you, or you go to other places like South America and people are really into it. And there's a lot of political unrest in certain countries. So whereas I think it's been around, I mean, it's been around for 70 years now. Yeah. So it's yeah. hard to shock people uh, yeah. and do anything different. But I guess at the end of the day, it comes down to the music, which is what you guys have been pushing. And you're and you seem very happy. You were very happy with your last album. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think that, that that's the funny thing. I think, like you said, it's it's hard to shock people now. And I think the most shocking thing you can do as a musician now is just be true to what you love doing. Um, and people go, what the, why aren't you doing this? And I think that's what's most shocking. And that's why even like artists like Adele, I think she's so successful because she has an incredible voice. Absolutely phenomenal. No questions asked. You're right. She could very easily just go down the, the safe pop route um, and sound the same as everyone else, but sing it better than anyone else and do really well. But she doesn't. You listen to her music and it's like, especially her new album, it's like, this doesn't sound like, her voice aside, Yeah, the music that she's doing and the song she's creating doesn't sound like anything that the pop world has seen in 50 odd years, you know? And, uh, and so I think that's what's shocking is artists actually doing what they love instead of what they know will sell. So now as far as cooking, are you, when you go out on, on the next tour, do you think you'll cook for your bandmates? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if they deserve it. Um, oh, I don't know. There we I, go. <laughs> well, how do you cook on a bus, really? Do you know what I mean? We've done it a few times. There's been a few times in the past where uh, before we'd started eating at restaurants, we were like, you know what? We're going to go grocery shopping once a week, and we're going to stock the bus with nice food, and um, <clears throat> you have a microwave in a bus. So we would buy like a, like a stovetop heating thing. Yeah and uh by like a griddle and we did it for a little while um but what tends to happen is you get really tired and the last thing you want to do is cook when you come off stage so then someone's like fine i'll do it tonight and then by the time that they've fed everyone 
uh, in the because it's not you can't just feed the five band members. You got to feed the crew and stuff too. Yeah. Because uh, uh, so by the time you've made food for 13, 14, 15 people, you're exhausted and stuff doesn't get tidied away. And we've had so many people once the bus sets off getting burnt by uh, hot grills and all kinds of stuff. And then you wake up in the morning and there's mess everywhere. Yeah. So we kind of gave up on it. It's uh, unfortunate, but it's just, <laughs> it's not that it's not really the environment for, for fine dining and cooking. So now is there any anything you want to do with your family? Any activities you want to do before you get back out on the road? Um, <clears throat> I would love to. So only two of my kids of the four have been able to go to England um, and see that side of, of where they're from. And uh, the, my two oldest kids, they love it. They're always asking when they can go back to England. So I'd love to go back to the UK um, and take my youngest two as well and introduce them to the UK and that side of their, their roots. I think that would be That's awesome. cool. Yeah. That'd be good. Cool, man. Well, thank you. Thank you again. Yeah, of course, mate. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure talking to you. Please join me for the next episode, which will feature Margarita Monet, vocalist and keyboardist for Edge of Paradise. The theme for Side Jams is Rookie of the Year by Bobo Renfley, licensed through Soundstripe. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.